Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Well, welcome everybody to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, John Quick, coming to you live from somewhere in Alaska. I hope everybody's having a phenomenal week this week. We want to, I want to, I want to personally congratulate uh, Peter Majicki, the new mayor of the Kenai Peninsula Borough. He won last night very handedly. Uh, I think he got something over 3,000 votes of the only 5,000 or so, or 6,000 or so votes that were cast. And there was four people in the race. So congratulations now, Mayor Machiki, uh, for being the new mayor of the Kenai Peninsula Borough. And man, do we have a treat for you today. But first, I want to thank all of our listeners, watchers, and readers of Must Read Alaska. We do this because of you. If you want to help keep the lights on here at Must Read Alaska, we are not funded by some dark web money nonprofit conglomerate like most mainstream medias are in Alaska. We are funded by everyday folks just like you that listen, watch, and read must read Alaska. And if you already do help keep the lights on, we want to thank you so much. It means a lot to Suzanne and I. And if you want to help, go to mustreadalaska.com. On the right-hand side there, there's a little donate button. You can click there uh, and donate five, 10 bucks, 100 bucks, heck, a million bucks if you want. And I also want to tell folks about our news new newsletter platform. We're using Substack. It's very exciting. Our numbers are just going crazy with this new Substack newsletter. And you can sign up for that just by going to mustreadalaska.com. And on the top top uh, top of the webpage there, there's a little teeny button that says newsletter. Click on that, put in your information, and you'll be signed up in no time. But without further ado, I want to introduce Gwen Adams, who is the executive director of Price, Priceless and is a very, very um, much needed ministry for the state of Alaska. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska show, Gwen. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, I'm so excited you're on. You're on maybe about a year ago, and yeah. we had so many um, wonderful comments from folks that were just excited about the work that you were doing. So um, before we kind of kick it off into all the um, nooks and crannies of all the stuff that you're doing, just first tell us about what is Priceless and why does it exist? Priceless is an anti-trafficking organization uh, in the state of Alaska. We work with people primarily from the Anchorage area, but we do have clients across the state. And we we exist to walk with victims of trafficking into a new life. So uh, we we consider ourselves people brokers. The first thing you get when you come into our organization is not a bunch of services or resources, but you get people mm. to, to walk with you. So you get a team of two mentors and a, a case manager. And so these three people become your new community. And sometimes for our clients, this is the first taste of healthy community that they've ever had. And so that little team begins to navigate the thousand things that have to happen in order for someone to break away out of the a world of trafficking and into something different. That's awesome. So I know the governor, this has kind of one of been one of his priorities in the last couple of years. You were on the anti-trafficking working group. Tell us about that group and maybe some of the exciting stuff that's about to come out of it. 
Yeah, so uh, a group from the governor's, uh, at the governor's request, uh, we formed a commission and there were a couple of us on there that were social service providers for trafficking victims, um, several lawmakers, people from law enforcement, that sort of thing. And we put together over the last several months uh, some proposal or legislative changes that we would like to see. And um, a press release came out on February 8th saying that that's all been uh, put before the legislature legislative system now, and we are going to just hope and pray that it all goes through. Well, that's exciting. I'm sure that you guys, you all have put a lot of time um, mm -hmm. and thought and effort into that, and I hope that there's some fruit that comes out of that. Um, so I think sometimes for folks, they don't think this happens in their backyard, in their neighborhood, in the city they live in, or the state that they live in. It's kind of out of sight, out of mind like the closest thing they've ever seen to it is like watching the movie Taken. And so right. um, tell me a story, either a general story or a specific story, just of like the, what does this look like for for some, the average person that you get to have the blessing of coming into contact with and helping out of traffic? What does that look like for them? What's their story usually like? Well, the stories are varied and there's no one socioeconomic race or group of people that are targeted more than another. I think sometimes we get images of what a pimp or a trafficker looks like, also from the movies. Um, but we can show in our system that the, we can break the mold at every at every point. Uh, for me, I think the thing that uh, you mentioned the movie Taken, that is the first people's fears. Oh, my my goodness, there's traffickers running around kidnapping people. And although that happens, and I don't want to minimize that, that is not primarily how it happens here in Alaska. Uh, it basically survivors of sex trafficking are first lured into the industry, the sex trade through what we call a fantasy relationship. They believe that the person they're dating really loves them, cares about them or that they're being um, seriously recruited into the modeling agency or something like that. So they they go in willingly thinking it's something that it's not. And, and can you imagine for a young girl who's grown up her whole life uh, off-road Alaska somewhere, she's excited to graduate from high school, maybe come to Anchorage and go to school, and uh, she gets here, she's completely out of her element, and uh, I mean, this is a story we hear over and over again. And somebody comes up to her and tells her how beautiful she is. And would she come down and have some photos taken because they're recruiting for a modeling agency or a production or something like that. And it's just kind of an offer too good to be true. And it is too good to be true. Or, or somebody just wants to start dating them and they start out by purchasing some beautiful gifts. And uh, there's basically three stages to trafficking and that's the recruitment um, and then the kind of the breaking in phase and then the, the trafficking phase and so that, that recruitment is pretty glamorous I mean there's a lot of money involved there's uh, a lot of gifts involved and they're saying things that uh, for a young girl or a young boy maybe hasn't heard in a long time like wow you are gorgeous uh uh, you're so, really something special. And so they, they can be lured in that way. And then at some point, the relationship begins to change and there's a breaking in period. And then a full-blown trafficking case begins. So is this primarily adults that are being kind of moved into hu human tra trafficking or sex trafficking? Or is this also 
um, are kids also being enticed into this 13, 14 year olds? Yeah. And the trends are going younger, younger, younger. I mean, when I first started, uh, we had uh, underage girls mostly coming into the program, but now there's kind of an influx of younger children down to age maybe uh, 15. The youngest mm -hmm. in our program is 13. Uh, younger and younger being recruited in. Um, the vast majority, though, when we finally get a chance to walk with somebody, they were recruited at underage between the ages of 15 and 17. Um, we don't normally get them until they're an adult several years later or something like that. But that that's kind of that prime recruiting age is probably between uh, 15 and 20. So what can parents look out for? Um, because I'm sure sometimes this happens in, you know, suburb suburbia, uh, Anchorage or the Valley or the Kenai Peninsula, what are some kind of extra parameters that parents can be on the lookout for? Well, traffickers prey on vulnerability. They're looking for vulnerability and that's, they exploit vulnerability. So some of the big vulnerabilities that we always looked for was uh, previous childhood uh, sexual exploitation or, or um, incest. Um or time spent in the foster care system, which was the vast majority of our clients for a long time. But I'm going to add a new vulnerability that we've seen an explosion in the last five years, and that is unlimited exposure to the internet in a private place. So as a parent, I think that's the one thing, if I could warn every parent, is like the use of the internet in the world of trafficking has exploded uh, our laws are nowhere near caught up to what internet trafficking looks like and very, very difficult to catch uh, perpetrators. Uh, so uh, there's a lot to be said about caution around the use of the internet. I love that. We we uh, uh, have all, my wife and I have always been a big proponent of less is better when it comes to the phone. And uh, we watch them like a hawk on there. So I encourage parents to do the same because, man, it gets sketchy real fast on the Internet if you're a 14-year-old boy that is, has access to an iPhone. So um, yes. I, I like that you added that to your gamut of things to look out for. So well, I'll, I'll give you one story that's a trafficking case online that I think is a is a, a cautionary tale, tale for parents. But uh, we had a... Um, a teenage boy I think he was around the age 14 and he was a gamer uh, didn't have a lot of friends loved to play in the games and now there's something on those games called live chat or the chat rooms of course and uh, lo and behold what this a young beautiful 16 year old girl uh, appears in his his chat and she not only is beautiful but she's interested in him and she likes to game like it's a perfect combination it wasn't a 16-year-old girl. It was a, a man in his 40s. And uh, this supposed 16-year-old girl began to send photographs of herself naked to this boy. And then after a period of time said, hey, I've sent you a number of photos. It's time for you to send me one. Um, sends a photo or two, maybe a video. And as that progresses, moves off the game chat, obviously, onto, um, you know, just texting and that sort of thing. And um, then the man revealed himself to be who he is and basically said, if you don't send this amount of money uh, to this location, I'm taking this video, showing it to your parents, showing it to your school. And um, so he continued to send more and more videos, uh, finding what cash he could to send to this 
this guy until he finally broke down, told his parents, and they went to the police with it. But that's not an uncommon tale. Uh, that's an example of how the internet trafficking works. Yeah, and I just actually read a story uh, a couple of days ago on Fox News of a high school quarterback who this happened to. He got, you know, mm -hmm. thought it was a girl, and then it turns out it was this old man and was trying to bribe and this old man was trying to bribe and coerce this um, high school quarterback to either do this or I'm going to do that. And the high school quarterback ended up committing suicide because he was stuck in a between a rock and a hard place. And it just goes to show that the Internet is not always a pretty thing. And I think parents need to be on the lookout even more so than than they think they, times by times how much you think you should be on the lookout by about 100 i feel like yeah. and the interesting thing about the internet is uh it's been difficult over the past 12 13 years to get into the school districts and do trafficking anti-trafficking training like schools are have been pretty resistant to that but we're finding an open door with coming in and doing internet safety training and so we we've, we've got um several stops scheduled this uh, year around the around the state to go in and do internet safety training in schools and communities and things like that. And the thing is, it is not hard and it doesn't take a lot of time to teach a child as young as 10 years old what to look what to look out for and how to recognize a predator online or uh, the point at which you need to go get an adult. Like these are this is not rocket science. These are things that we can train our kids to to recognize. So how do you keep your sanity? Because I feel like, um, you know, seeing this kind of stuff over and over again, I would probably just be crying a lot because I'd just be so, um, it would be tough to take in. How do you keep a level head and day after day keep at it with, with something as, um, mm -hmm. as deep and as gross sometimes as human trafficking can be? I, I think for me, when I started, I made a commitment to God, honestly, that I would quit doing this the day that I my heart became calloused or my heart didn't break anymore. And uh, so I let my heart break over this. I uh, And I schedule regular times of our whole team. It's mandatory that they take a full day off. That includes time off from taking phone calls or anything uh, once a week. And uh you know, a, a approximately about a month a year. So we have pretty regimented schedules around um, breaks from this um, because obviously crisis and uh, our survivors, you know, they're, they're not scheduled on a five-day work day. I mean, yeah. it's crisis. They happen at two in the morning on a Sunday yeah. evening or yeah. something. So we are, uh, as a team, we really hold each other accountable to that space and getting, getting away and, um, you know, I think everybody on our team has been in counseling for secondhand trauma. <laughs> I know I have and will continue to avail myself of counseling services as needed. But yeah, it is tough work. And I think as tough as walking with survivors is or hearing stories, I think one thing that's been shockingly um, painful to me is I just assumed that all our community would all be on the same page around this, but that there are there are people out there that hate what we do and and would like to stop stop us. And of course, we know that every time somebody is pulled out of the sex trade, it's an average of two hundred thousand dollars that we just pulled out per year that we just pulled out of somebody's pocket. So there's a, a number of, of enemies that I have. And 
safety concerns that we have to put around myself and my team and our, our mentors. And I think that's probably more exhausting and more difficult for me than uh, walking with survivors. So do you, you know, once somebody learns a little bit about this, like I think some of the first things that people think as I've talked to folks about this is why isn't, you know, some of the questions I ask myself and people ask themselves is why isn't every elected official like focusing in on this, you know, instead of taking a month or two to organize in Juno over the last three years, we've seen like this is something that should be a bipartisan thing that everybody wants to get behind and help solve is, you know, why do you think this doesn't really get that much play or talk about, you know, in the legislation or in the news, even mainstream media in Alaska doesn't, I mean, I've, I've never heard them really covering this kind of stuff. Why do you think that is? Well, I, I think there's a perception out there that prostitution is a victimless crime, hmm. that if people want to sell themselves, let them. And, uh, you know, we're in an independent state that really wants government to be hands off on some of those things. What's misunderstood, I think, is that the vast majority of prostitution now has lapsed into a world of trafficking. Um, it's become easier and easier, especially as like maybe gangs start taking over different neighborhoods uh, for somebody who is a freelance, a sex worker to to do that without repercussion from a gang. Like this, you're in our territory. If you're going to sell yourself here, you're going to give us a certain amount of money for that. And so I think as the as the world's become darker in, our, uh, in this area, it's become harder and harder for somebody to uh, engage in prostitution without um, serious repercussions and trafficking. It's just so incredibly lucrative. Um, gangs across our country, the second most uh, valuable way for them to gain uh, uh, finances is through trafficking. So it's, it's it's lucrative. I mean, if you can imagine it this way, if I'm trafficking drugs and I get caught, I likely have drugs. I'm going to prison, right? If I'm trafficking young boys or girls and I get caught, uh, I simply t t train them to lie about what's happening, to say they're, I'm I'm a relative of theirs or something like this. And uh, I, I can sell drugs one time. Uh, I have, then I have to go and re, you know, get more supply. But the average uh, child that's sold into the sex trade uh, is there for an average of seven years. Mm. And uh, probably an average of 10 to 20 times a day. So uh, you can imagine the money that's flowing through the hands of these cartels. Yeah, this is not a glamorous, like, uh, what was that movie in the 90s, Pretty Woman kind of scenario. Yeah. This is a, you're laying on a bed for, you know, 12 times a day, and you don't have any say. And uh, it is a horrible, grotesque industry. And I very, very... Um, uh, I'm sure that it is very, very tough to be in your position sometimes, just as you said, because of safety and all the mm -hmm. things that you see. But what do you think can be done to fix or potentially alleviate this as much as possible? You know, because people are going to listen to this and they're going to say, well, I don't know what to do. This is this is how the heck am I going to do it? She's like the modern day Liam Neeson that's out there saving the world and being a superhero. How do I do this? I got... I just live in the woods in Alaska and I've got soccer games and hockey tournaments and, 
you know, this and that, how can I help? So what, what, what are things that people can tangibly do to help what you're doing? I, I honestly think as we begin to see the problem and understand it, uh, and we take a holistic whole community approach to it, that's the only thing that's going to turn the tide. We don't have enough time or money to uh, go out of go out of even from a government perspective. There's not a lo- enough law enforcement on the planet, and budgets continue to get cut there. And so it takes a whole community approach. Like I was just down in the uh, FBI's office last week, just saying to them, "All right, look, you know, budgets get cut. How can you utilize some community volunteers to help you do the work in this area?" We've, we've said that to APD too, like what can we do as a community to come alongside you where budgets have been cut and, and volunteer and get involved? And there are surprisingly a lot of ways to help, right? And so I just think, honestly, as the community makes, makes this known, becomes more aware of it, it's kind of like, let's just pester trafficking out of our state. Like, can you imagine uh, as a trafficker coming here and there's a uh, no longer one nosy neighbor down the street, but there's 10. (laughs) That trafficking is going on and they're calling the police every time they see a bunch of girls go in and out of a certain house. And so I I encourage people like, how do I know if something's up or not? And should I call? And I always say, yes, call. Because uh, the way these cases are built is you're going to call and it's not illegal for five girls to go in a house uh, all night long, you know, in and out. That's not illegal. But as we continue to call law enforcement and we put something on their radar, they're looking for that one missing piece that will tie a whole case together. So they're filling boxes in on a grid. So I just tell people, it doesn't matter. The law enforcement's not going to be mad at you for uh, reporting something that doesn't end up being trafficking. So just call often. And I think another thing that I'm super passionate about is the whole issue of um, we end up with a lot of children in our state who end up with a runaway designation because if they leave home with somebody that the family knows and they leave on their own uh, and then no one hears from them again they end up with that runaway designation so nobody's looking for them we can't we can't don't really have enough resources in law enforcement to 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 chase down runaways unless they're underage they will Uh, but so there's a lot of missing people that we know are being trafficked. And so uh, we we just want to make sure we've got a community that trains up parents. How do I look? What do I need to know about the Internet to begin to dig up a digital footprint? And uh, so just going after that, putting some light on the fact that uh, we all can be looking. So do you guys have an annual fundraiser, any events coming up you want to share about? Well, we do an annual fundraiser. It's in November. Uh, obviously, we are privately supported. Uh, we do utilize some grant money, but that's not the vast majority of what we do. And so uh, you can go on our website and click the donate button. Of course, that is super helpful. Uh, we do trainings all over the state to raise up. I told you about these these two mentors and this case manager that first form a community. We are always recruiting mentors into our program to walk with um, victims of trafficking. And so we we train all over the state for that. Uh, it's something called engaged training. Um, and a lot of other nonprofits and organizations utilize our training to to raise up people to walk with broken people in other areas as well. So I think just get on the get on the website, see what's there, and there's a place for everybody to be in this fight. I I'll just 
tout this Bernard community. Uh, they do something called Spernard Second Saturday now, which is basically all the businesses in the Spernard area, which of course is a hotbed for all things that we talk about in our organization. <laughs> uh, and so for this community, all the business leaders coming together, we've held a couple different awareness campaigns on Spernard, but the, the businesses in this whole community are wrapping their um, minds around what's going on and coming together the support they support us through Spernard second Saturday there's the big heart art show at Middleway Cafe right now proceeds all come to priceless so there's a lot of just community community fundraisers that go on uh, around the the state another with another one out in the valley with the Keller Williams uh, real estate group so we're always looking for businesses that say yeah I'm gonna get involved count nice. me in what's what is your website what's the pricelessalaska.org. Awesome. pricelessalaska.org. Folks, you need to head over to pricelessalaska.org. Check it out. Um, and if it's something that you have a passion for, don't have any time for, click on the donation button, give 50 bucks, give 25 bucks a month. I'm pretty sure every penny will go towards helping alleviate human trafficking in Alaska. Gwen, I don't want to thank you so much for hanging out with us here on the Must Read Alaska show. You're welcome back anytime. We're going to put a link to the website in the podcast episode description so people can't miss it. If you're just catching the tail end of this episode for some reason, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the whole thing. It's, uh, it's going to tug your heartstrings, and I think that's a good thing. I think that this is something that folks need to get behind, whether it's through um, time, money, or resources to, to help uh, Priceless accomplish their goal, which is probably to alleviate sex and human trafficking. So Thanks so much for joining us, Gwen. Until next time, I'm John Quick from somewhere in Alaska. Thank you, John. Thanks.